Timothy did not have the gift of evangelism. And that's why he's commanded to do the work of an evangelist. And you may not have the gift of evangelism, but you are called to do the work of an evangelist. And if you're not involved in the process of attempting to bring people to Christ, then your heart is out of sync with the living God. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today is part three in the conclusion of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, Sharing Christ in Difficult Days. In the last two messages, we have studied the charge's mandate and motivation in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, and today, Pastor Carl will be preaching on the charge's manner in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Let's join Pastor Carl now as he continues. These are false teachers. Joe Osteen, he attempts to de-emphasize sin, and so when he's being interviewed on a morning show, he's asked why he doesn't speak about hard things and sinful things. And he said, and I quote, there's enough pushing people down in life already. When they come to my church or our meetings, I want them to be lifted up. I want them to know that God's good, that they can move forward, that they can break an addiction, that they can become who God created them to be. And then, speaking of sound doctrine, to use his own words, he uses the word doctrine, and he says, no, we need to veer away from teaching doctrinal differences. And he says, and I quote, these days people want to know if I come to church how it's going to help me to live my life. And so he's being interviewed on Oprah Winfrey, and of course she has these special broadcast specials with Harry and Megan, and not long ago with Joel, and she asks him directly, are there many paths to get to the one God? To which Joel responds, I believe, Oprah, that Jesus is the way to the one God, but I believe there are many paths to Jesus. That's heretical. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Paul will say there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's one mediator. You can't go through Buddha or Vishnu or you have to come through Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Here's what the apostle John said. In his second letter, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. The apostle John, as you read his second letter, would say, Creflo and Joel don't know the Lord. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, this doctrine... Do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. The apostle Paul told the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 11, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, you bear this beautifully. You should have thrown the guy out. 
but you bear it beautifully. You just take it all in. They lacked spiritual discernment. And so they had no problem allowing people to come into the Corinthian church who preached another Jesus, which is no Jesus at all. And this is why it is absolutely essential that a pastor who stands in the pulpit, because you cannot say, well, he's a preacher, but he's not a teacher. No, if he's a pastor, he preaches and teaches the word of God. And if he gets up there with these little 15, 20-minute vignettes, He's not going to ground the people of God. And if they're left under that kind of preaching long enough, that church will go liberal. So we've got two Baptist churches in town, one that historically was a great church. They used to send missionaries overseas and a church they now planted out of there and they both deny biblical infallibility. We have two Presbyterian churches in town. There used to be this old German guy who used to write in the newspaper when I first came here in the early 90s and he'd write about all these different churches and these two churches were once great churches. But now they do gay marriages. See, this is the sick world we live in, and people cannot discern truth from error, what's right from what's wrong, because they're not being grounded in sound doctrine, and you leave a church there long enough, and they just become nominal Christians, and they'll bring in before long a pastor who doesn't even know the Lord. He'll use the language of historic Christianity, but they won't be able to discern. Turn back a few pages to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. We looked at this text back in June at the start of this series, but I want to dust off your minds with its truth. 1 Timothy 4, 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So Paul begins chapter 4 with an immediate and stark contrast. But... He's doing the same thing that he does in our passage this morning. He moves from sound doctrine to the doctrines of demons. And he says this will be prevalent in the latter times. Now, unlike the term last days that began on the day of Pentecost, the latter days is a New Testament term that refers to that final time frame before Jesus refers, comes back, what we would call the last of the last days. And he's warning specifically, while indeed there was apostasy in Timothy's day, that as we move into the very end of the age, that this is going to multiply and deepen. In latter times, men will fall away from the faith. And it's raging in our day. It was true in the first century, but it is unbelievable here in the 21st century. And so he says, I don't want you to be surprised by this. And this is why he says, the Spirit explicitly says. In other words, don't be knocked off kilter when this happens, because the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and to doctrines of demons. Now, there are two words. There's the Spirit. You might want to circle the capital S in your Bible. And then there's deceitful spirits. There's the small s. One is in reference to God, the Holy Spirit. The other is in reference to demonic spirits. And so Paul wants to underscore that false doctrine is not simply traced to false teachers, but to the devil, to demons who work behind false teachers. We think of Satan and his demons as simply enticing us to sin. But never forget that Satan is a liar as well as he is a tempter. 
He not only deceives into error, he entices to sin. He does both. People sometimes say, how is it that some educated, intelligent person swallows some of the things that they embrace? How do you get tempted to embrace Joel Osteen? Where he, I don't know, he's lost about a third of his congregation, but I think it's still the largest church in America. How do you get someone to embrace Mormonism or prosperity theology? Because they're being deceived by demons. Here's a few headlines, demonic doctrines that are being taught. The Lutheran Church just hosted in, in, in June queer camp. They called it a summer camp for LGBTQ teens. The Cultural Research Center reports now that 43% of millennials don't care or believe that God exists. Why? Because they're listening to doctrines of demons. The church in Sweden has now officially announced this summer that it is, quote, a transgender church. As I told you just recently, a documentary that came out in the last two months from the church at Rome, the Pope said, quote, homosexual people have the right to be in a family. They are children of God. What we have to have is a civil union law. That way they are legally covered. Of course, he's not speaking about America because we're way past that, but the other nations of the world. The Methodist church, quote, headline in August, seeks to ordain drag queen into pastoral ministry. The BBC headline, August, Drag Queen Story Hour in America's Bible Belt, specifically Greenville, South Carolina. Last week, Duke Divinity School, my wife and I spent five, hour, five years on the Duke campus trying to win people to Christ, and God blessed them in an incredible way. Last week, they packed the chapel. You ever been there? It's huge. They packed the chapel as they offered their first service where they introduced God, quote, as queer, a drag queen, and as a trans man. This is evil beyond evil. These are doctrines of demons. And so these false teachers are successful because they're preaching a different message. They're preaching another gospel. And it may look like their statistics are growing, are glowing and growing, and God is working. And certainly there are good, solid churches that are growing because the truth is being preached. But many of the mega churches in America are preaching another Jesus. They are tickling people's ears. And so Paul reminds us here in verse 3, back in verse 3 of chapter 4, but wanting to have their ears t- tickled, notice they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desire. They, meaning entire congregations, will accumulate, they will multiply themselves, they will heap up, is what the Greek word means, teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Maybe they'll tell people listening, it's okay to fornicate. It's okay to commit adultery. It's okay that your children are gay. It's not okay any more than it's okay for someone to commit adultery or premarital sex. If that's someone's direction in life, they're lost. You're being unloving to such people. So Paul's point here is that they don't first listen to the teachers and then decide whether the teacher or pastor or teaching is truth or not. His point here is they 
They, they, they don't first listen. They first decide the kind of teacher they want, and then they recruit that kind of teacher. They heap up, they multiply, they accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desire. So if they want a golden calf teacher, that's what they look for. And so sadly, the average pulpit today is just a sounding board of what is happening in the nation and in the community. And so the man of God who preaches the word of God and does it seriously, he's rejected. But the guy with his little plumpy 30-minute sermons, itching, tickling, itching ears, he's a celebrity. Timothy, for this reason, I am charging you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus to preach the word. So preach the word because men won't want to hear it. Preach the word because they'll choose bad leaders. Third, preach the word because men will embrace myths. They'll embrace myths. We read now in verse 4, and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now notice the word ears has been repeated twice in two verses. These people now stop their ears. They basically say, I I don't want to hear this. Most weeks, somebody gets up and leaves, not because there's a, a baby that needs to be attended, but because... They didn't like what I said. You see, they, they signed the guest book when they came in. And so I called them. They never made it to the visitor card status, but they made it to the guest book. And they give me an earful. But listen, it's a short step from departing from the truth to embracing myths. You could render this word fables, muthos. We get our word directly from it. And again, this is why it's essential that pastors are qualified. There are too many unqualified pastors in the pulpit who don't teach, or too many pastors who are not convinced that this is one of the primary jobs that God has given them to do during the week. And so we live in a culture that is abounding with myths. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. I don't care if it's the Mormon myth or the evolution myth or the new morality myth or the myth that all the religions and denominations of the world should be united. It's always sourced in something outside of Scripture. So Joseph Smith gets his little revelations, supposedly, and these magic spectacles that he can put on, and he translates a Bible where large sections are plagiarized from the King James Bible, but he makes up all kinds of things, among other things, so that he can baptize his sexual immorality in his book. And so there's a man with 44 wives, and quite often a man's theology is dictated by his morality. Okay, third and finally, the charges manner. We're just about done. Beyond the charges mandate and the charges motivation, there's the charges manner. So we're not preaching a pack of lies. We're not preaching some fairy tale. We are preaching the historical, factual, and authoritative word of God. And so one might conclude, well, that may all be true, Paul, but if this is the reaction, especially at the end of time, maybe we should just be silent. And Paul would say, absolutely not. Look at verse 5. But you... Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. 
For the third time in this letter, he uses these two little monosyllables, suder, four letters in Greek, translated here with six in English, but you. For over two decades on my little lamp, I had these two monosyllables stuck on the lamp until the sticky paper ran off. It, it, it lasted for a long time, suder, and now I have it in my Greek lexicon. And I often open that lexicon, and there is that little thing, but you, but you. It's emphatic. You could render it you, but you of all people, Timothy, be sober in all things. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. doesn't matter what anyone else is telling you. You, but you are to be different. But you... Forget these ear-tickling preachers, but you, forget these who are teaching false doctrine, but you are to preach the word, you are to turn men to the truth. And then he unfolds four ways in which he is to do that. First, point A on your outline, we are to be sober in all things. We are to be sober in all things, but you be sober. This is the word that describes the opposite of someone who is drunk. Because people will get intoxicated with false teaching. You need to be sober. Another translation says clear-headed. Another translation says steady. You're to be disciplined in the midst of spiritual drunkenness. You are to be sober as you preach the word. And it's critically important. Preach the word. Be sober with that. In other words, Timothy, you don't need to be novel. You don't need to come up with some new invention to make it palatable. Just preach the word. And these people will come down the pike telling pastors, you need this new gimmick, you need this new method, you need this new form of compromise, but you, in spite of all that is happening, preach the word. Secondly, you are not only to be sober in all things, we are to endure hardship. We're to endure hardship, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship. Now remember in chapter 2, the apostle Paul already likened Timothy, among other things, to a soldier. Now I made a statement 20 years ago, one of my Marines corrected me, he said, we're not soldiers, we're Marines. I get it, all right? But I'm talking in a broad sense now. And I have two sons who are Marines, and I, I, I love the Marine Corps, right? So with that said, let's say Marine. It's not always easy to be a Marine, is it? You know, your, your bed might be uh, in a cold desert somewhere. It might be in searing heat. Your, your meal might be out of a can. But you are be, be willing to endure hardship. He's just reminding that, that life for Timothy, life for the Christian is not always an easy time. We just had all these missionaries here, and some of them came from some very difficult places. One missionary, I went to his home, and I slept on a dirt floor, and the roof leaked that night. And in the morning, his dear wife brought me this basin like this, and she had retrieved four or five buckets of water, so that's where I could take my bath, so to speak. In the fluffy, soft American church, we don't want to be inconvenienced. But if you take your role seriously, you're going to have opposition, endure sound doctrine, 
And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, they'll suffer hardship. They'll be potentially persecuted. And interestingly, in the scripture, very often the people who persecute you the most is the religious crowd. Who do you think is going behind these evangelical preachers who are standing for truth and reporting them to all these different social media? It's liberal preachers who don't like what they are saying. Why? Because it bothers their conscience because they know they're wrong. See, we are to do the work of an evangelist. Be sober in all things. You're to endure hardship, but you are to do the work of an evangelist. He's simply reminding him that at the heart of every ministry should be evangelism. He's not saying that you preach a hellfire brimstone message every week. The saints need to be fed as well. But as a way of life, we should be doing evangelism. Timothy did not have the gift of evangelism. And that's why he's commanded to do the work of an evangelist. And you may not have the gift of evangelism, but you are called to do the work of an evangelist. And if you're not involved in the process of attempting to bring people to Christ, then your heart is out of sync with the living God. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Let it not be said next Sunday that if no one comes through your invitation or my invitation that we didn't try. D, fulfill your ministry. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Again, because people will accumulate in accordance to their own desires, teachers, but you have a different ministry unlike these ear-tickling teachers. You've been charged in the presence of God in Christ Almighty, and so your ministry is to be one that you finish well. Now, your ministry might not be like my ministry. My ministry might not be like yours, but there are some common characteristics that we all share, and in the end, we want to run the race faithful to the end. How are we going to apply this? Let me make three applications as we close. Number one, no matter what the world is like, we are to claim the victory of God. You know, Jesus is in a place called Caesarea Philippi. We've stood there many times with members from the church. Some of you were with me there last May. And and it's a, a place where there's actually a cave where water once ferociously ran through off of Mount Hermon, and, and people would literally take their babies and throw them in the water, and they call that cave the gates of death, the gates of hell, the gates of Hades. And it's in that place that Jesus said, and I say to you that you are Peter, Petros, and upon this Petra, this stone, this bedrock referring to himself, I will build my church, and then he makes this promise. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I was being interviewed this week on a national Christian radio show, and he said, how do you understand this phrase, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it? Understand, Jesus is not saying that the church is defensive. It's saying it's offensive. Gates were used for defensive purposes. So here it's not the gates of the church, But notice the text, it's the gates of hell that will not prevail. Why? Because we're on the offensive. Jesus is not saying that the church is a fortress such that hell can't get in. He is saying that the church is an army that hell can't withstand. 
that in the end, we are promised victory. And we go with that sense of a victory. We go on the offensive. We go in the midst of wickedness and immorality and paganism. And we believe that God will accomplish his perfect purposes if we are faithful. Secondly, no matter what the world is like, we are to share the gospel. Whatever it's like, we're to share the gospel. Now, in these four commands to Timothy, the commands are different, but they convey the same message. The difficult times that will come at the end of the age in the last days will be hard, but they should spur you on with all the more need to depend on the Spirit of God to minister through you and to you. But the darker the hour, the brighter the light. Let your light shine. We don't despise these. I don't despise our president. I don't hate him. Every time I see him, my heart goes out to him. I'm so sad for him. This man is so lost. He's entrenched in such evil. And he's leading a whole nation into evil. Yes, I don't like what he does. You say you're too political. Someone said last week, you're too political. I'm not being political. I'm just dealing with the moral issues of Holy Scripture. And if you can't hear from the pulpit what the moral issues are, where can you hear it? We're not to despise these people. We are to pray for these people. We are to be faithful to share the gospel with whatever stripe or mark of immorality folks may be. And third and finally, no matter what the world is like, we need to be ready to meet Christ. He's coming again. The text open that he's the judge of the living and the dead. What will really matter when you come to the end of your life is not your fame or your fortune. Those are all temporal things. I mean, how does God size up a successful life? It's not your fame, it's not your fortune, it's your faithfulness. It's required of a steward that one be found faithful. And if you've never met the Lord, all your service in the world will add up to a big zero. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You need the gift of God, which is eternal life that is humbly received. Now, our Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus came not only to forgive lives, but to change lives. For you promised if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old life has passed away and everything has become new. Help us never to compromise the truth of the gospel. Help us, our Holy Father, to be faithful to the word, to share it in season and out of season. Even this week, we, we pray for a multiplicity of opportunities to reach out to people who might come next Sunday, next Lord's Day. And may you equip even those who already know you how to share the gospel more effectively. We know unless you build the house, we labor in vain to build it. Help us never to be deterred by the foolishness that so many evangelical churches have lowered themselves to. Help us to think with a clear, sober, spiritual mind, allowing the Word of God to regulate the way we think and the way we behave. And we ask it, Lord Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program God's Prophetic Schedule 019. 
You can support the ministry of Search the Scriptures by calling, or you can give online at searchthescriptures.org. Your generous donation plays an important role in providing biblical teaching and spreading the gospel. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to Search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures.